0: Now, three weeks ago, we kicked off this series uh, that we're calling the, uh, the Christmas Gift Exchange. The Christmas Gift Exchange. And I'm gonna show you kind of the driving thought of this whole series here in a moment. But last Sunday, if you were with us online or in person, you know that, that we, we played this game called Let's Make a Deal. And when I think of the Christmas Gift Exchange, my mind really goes back to this old TV show aired in the early 60s by the infamous Monty Hall. By a show of hands, how many of you remember the TV show Let's Make a Deal? Remember the TV show Let's Make a Deal? Okay, so last Sunday we played the game Let's Make a Deal because it really is what God is saying to us. If you think about the nucleus of the gospel, that would be John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. And so God is saying, hey, I'm going to make you a deal. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So the deal is God would offer us his son, Jesus, Jesus born in a manger, are you with me? Named Emmanuel, God with us. And the deal would be that Jesus would walk this earth. He would perform many, many miracles. He would live a life of no sin. He would be crucified on an old rugged cross. And then those, now some 2000 years later, who would call upon the name of that Lord, would be saved. It's a pretty sweet deal. So again, the idea of this game show came into my brain because I'm thinking the TV show is kind of like what God does with us. He says, let's make a deal. Now, last week, the game was such a huge hit. Thousands of emails and text messages have come in about the wonders of this game. That might be a slight exaggeration, but you get the point that I thought we ought to play it one more time. Come on, anybody want to play? Let's make a deal. Now, here's what I need... See how excited you are? Some of you can't contain your excitement. Stay seated, okay? Stay seated. Uh, Let's play, let's make a deal. So I need a participant, somebody in the audience. This is a live studio audience for everybody online. I'm not preaching to an empty room. Everybody in-house, make some noise. Come on, make some noise. There you go. All right, I need a participant. Anybody wanna play the game Let's Make a Deal? Anybody, man, so many hands, it's hard to pick. Okay, you, ma'am, in the far back, you had your hand up first. Yes, you, that's right. Can I get some game show music or something? And as she come in, can you make some noise? Come on, give it up for her. As she makes her way down here on Let's Make a Deal. Get the music rolling there. Let's make, you gotta keep clapping or it gets awkward. Come on. Fantastic. Let's make a deal. Now, many of you remember that last week we made a deal. And I'll tell you this, as you come to the the microphone here, uh, both contestants last week, they picked what was inside of this box. Now, before we tell you how the game is played, let's introduce yourself to everybody. Tell everybody your name. Vanessa Patterson. This is Vanessa. Come on, go church, give it up for Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa, I'm so honored to have you on the stage today, and we're going to play Let's Make a Deal. Now, here's how the game works. Uh, last week, I, I gave a monetary amount of money from my pocket and offered that to the contestant. And the opportunity was they could take the money or they could take what was in the box, okay? Now, this week, I'm going to flip it around a little bit. I'm going to show you what's in the box first. Gasp. Okay, let's try that one more time. You missed your cue, people. I'm gonna show you what's in the box first. They're really good at this. We practiced early. Okay, (laughs) Lawanda, tell them what's in the box.
1: You have a chance to win some exclusive, one-of-a-kind, authentic, Go Church Merchandise. Wow, Lawanda. you you'll notice a long-sleeve, school bus yellow Hanes 100% cotton t-shirt. That's
0: fantastic.
1: As well as a Gilded Heavy Blend sweatshirt. This will certainly keep you warm all winter long. Wear these items and you'll be the most fashionable person this Christmas season. You will. You also have a chance to win an authentic Go Church Journal. Great for taking notes during Pastor JC's sermon. He's such a great communicator. We are incredibly blessed to sit under his teaching. You'll want to take notes so you can remember all of the brilliant points that he brings to life. That's true. Lastly, you have a chance to win a 12-ounce Go Church <gasps> This double-walled vacuum-insulated cup will keep your drinks ice-cold longer. Whoa, it works great for hot beverages. You can't find this type of merchandise anywhere but here, here. at yes. Go Church.
0: Come on, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Now, this is, this is a ton of pressure. Now, the opportunity in front of you is to take all of the merchandise, the total value of Priceless. You can have all of this. It's all yours, or you can take the cash that is in my pocket, all right? So that's the option. All of this is yours, or you can take the cash that's in the pocket. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't want to make this type of life-altering decision alone, and I feel that pressure as well. So I'm gonna give you some help. We're gonna let the live studio audience weigh in. How many of you think that she should take the Go Church merchandise and call it a day? Come on, It's a lot of people a lot of people. Now you're going to see who the risk takers are. How many of you say, you don't need to take all that. Take what's in Pastor JC's pocket. Take the money and run. Where are you at? Okay, now I got a sermon to preach. So moment of truth. The decision is yours. What will your choice be? The contents of the box, the Go Church merch, or the hundreds of thousands of dollars (laughs) in my pocket? What do you decide? Okay,
1: well, I'm going to go with what my girls are saying back there. And they say, take what's in your pocket.
0: Whoa! Stingy girls. <laughs> Greedy girls. That's because they're thinking if it's a lot of money, their Christmas is going to be better. Unfortunately, I'm going to introduce you to President Abraham Lincoln. It's a $5 bill. Come on and give it up for today. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, here you go. You get a tumbler anyway, just because I felt bad for... Raising girls like that, so. (laughs) Hey, whenever I think of this game, though, what Christ, is it okay to have fun in church? It's all right, isn't it? Good. Whenever I think of this game, I think of how Christ does give give us this opportunity to exchange some things. He's making this deal with us. I want you to write this driving thought down, and we did this last week. I'd like to do it together again. Let's read this together. I'm going to say the phrase, and then you just repeat after me. You ready? With Christ, I can exchange. My sins for salvation, my doubts for faith, my worries for worship, my hurts for healing, and my problems for peace. For those of you that are in a relationship with Christ Jesus, can you testify that that is the truth? That with Christ, you can exchange all of your sin for salvation. We talked about that last Sunday. All of your doubts can be replaced with great faith, all of your worries for worship the hurts that we experience can be turned to healing, and all of the problems that we face in life, God can give you great peace. And truthfully, there's a lot that we could talk about today. That's why we talk in a collection of conversations by way of series, because there's so much truth that the Bible can teach us as we jump into the Word together. But I want to talk on one subject today that I know for a fact that every single one of us wrestle with truth be told, some wrestle with it more than others, but all of us have wrestled with this particular topic, and the year 2020 has not been shy of ammunition to throw on the fuel of this particular topic. Now, the conversation that I want to have with you today is on the idea of worry. Worry. On the count of three, everybody say worry. One, two, three. Jesus talked a lot about worry. As a matter of fact, if you look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon series, if you will, that Jesus taught between Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He talked a lot about the idea of worry. Now, some theologians would say that this Sermon on the Mount was not just a couple of hours of conversations that Jesus had, but over a span of a few days, Jesus talked through this idea of Sermon on the Mount. I'll tell you that in the summer of 2021, We're gonna take six to eight weeks and do a series called Summer on the Mount, and we'll walk through a lot of what Jesus talked about. But he talked about the idea of worry, and he addressed it pretty black and white as he was talking to the people of that day, and I want you to see how applicable the conversation he had with them is with us today at the end of 2020. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 25. He says, this is why I tell you, do not be what? worried. I I don't know what more we need than the instruction of the Lord to say, you don't need to be worried. There's this old song that somebody wrote. You ought to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. He says, I tell you, do not be worried about the food and the drink that you need in order to stay alive. Don't, Don't be worried about the clothes for your body. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't choose clothes. Come on, somebody. He says, after all, isn't your life worth more than just food? And isn't your body worth more than just clothes? And and, and I'll come back to this thought here in, in a bit if the Lord allows me. But he says, look at the birds. He says, these birds, they, they don't plant seeds. They don't gather a harvest. They don't store it up and put it all in barns. He says... He says, yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. And I I don't know who needs to hear this as we close out one year and in a few days we enter a new year, but it's a great reminder of your value and your worth with your heavenly Father. He says, aren't you worth much more than the birds of the air? And then I want you to see verse 27 here. This one really jumped out at me in preparation of today. It says, Can any of you live a little bit longer by worrying about it? I don't know what your it is, but I've got a list of it, of the different things that I seem to be anxious about and fearful about and things that I doubt over and stress over and worry over. And here Jesus says in the sermon, he says, look, can anybody live longer by worrying about it? He says, and and why worry about those clothes? He goes back to the clothes. And he says, look how the wildflowers grow. They don't work or make clothes for themselves. Verse 29, but I tell you that not even King Solomon, the the wealthiest of all, not even King Solomon with all of his riches and all of his wealth had clothes as beautiful as these wildflowers. He's saying, if I'm going to take care of the flowers, I'm going to take care of you. Amen. He says, "It it is God who clothes the grass grass that is here today and gone tomorrow burned up in the oven won't he be all the more sure to clothe you what little faith we have anybody ever experienced a a season or a moment where your faith is kind of low you're running on kind of a a spiritual empty tank if you will of faith he says what what little faith you have and I don't want to get ahead of my thoughts and my notes but but every time that we worry about a problem what we're saying is is that we want to take control of it rather than giving it to God. And he says, I'm encouraging you. You don't have to worry about anything. I'm in control. I love how scripture talks about how, how God uses the earth as his footstool and how his feet are just propped up on planet earth. And your God is not pacing back and forth, wringing his hands out of panic or stress or worry. God says, listen to me, write this down. It's not on the TV, but God says, I got this. Whatever this is, whatever it is, God says, I've got it. He says, stop trying to carry the weight of it and just give it to me. Sometimes we all wrestle with a little bit of a lack of faith, rather. And he says, so don't start worrying. Where's my food going to come from? And what am I going to drink? Or what am I going to wear? Verse 32, these are the things that unbelievers are concerned about. The pagans. And maybe they have a right to be worried because where does their hope come from? But for those who are in Christ Jesus, why should we worry about These things that really, at the end of the day, they do not matter. And he says, the pagans are concerned about those things, but your Father in heaven knows that you need all of those things. Big difference between wants and needs. And he says, your Father knows all of the things that you need. Verse 33, instead you should be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God. And with what he requires of you. And he will provide you with all of these things. Another translation of scripture that might sound a little bit more or read a little bit more familiar for those who have grown up in the church. It says, and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all of the other things that you might be concerned about or worried about. All of those things God will add unto you. He'll take care of them. And then I want you to see one more verse here. Verse 34. the entire verse is highlighted in yellow just because I want us to read it together because I hope you lock it in your mind and in your heart. You ready? Let's read it on three. One, two, three. So do not worry about tomorrow. It will have enough worries of its own. There is no need to add to the troubles that each day brings. Now let me read it to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be jacked up anyway. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but you can take heart because he has overcome the world. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. There's no need to add to the troubles that every day will bring. Real quick, I don't have time to to dive into all four of these reasons why we should not worry, because I want to give you more of the solution than the problem here in a moment. But I think there are four primary reasons that You and I should not worry about anything. Uh, That really, at the end of the day, there is nothing that you should be troubled about or concerned about. The first thought here is that worry is unreasonable. Uh, you, You can't justify one good reason why you and I need to worry about whatever it is. Our worry does not bring any type of solution to whatever it is that we're walking through, worry is unnatural. We read that all throughout this conversation that Jesus was having. He talked about the birds of the air and the wild flowers of the field and and, and the the grass of, of the field as well. And he talks about how all of these things in the natural, like these birds, they don't wake up like worried about what they're going to eat today. I have never seen an emotionally worried cow before. Cows just graze. We're not worried about life and problems and stress. Worry is unnatural. You were not born to worry. You were conditioned to worry. Worry is a learned behavior. Does that make sense? It's not natural to worry. It's unnatural. Worry is unhelpful. Again, not one ounce of energy spent on worrying has provided any bit of help or hope. To the problem that you walk through and and lastly it's it's just it's unnecessary worry continues to rob and to steal and to take away years off of your life to take away the joys of everyday living watch again here's the verse again don't worry about tomorrow don't worry about tomorrow some of us are so worried listen to me let me say it like this some of you are so worried about tomorrow that you miss the blessing of today We're so concerned about next year and what the outcome of next year is going to be that we miss out on this moment. I think that the older I get and hopefully the more mature I become and I'm a work in progress, the more that I'm learning to live in the moment, to live in the now, to enjoy every day because this is the only day that I'm promised is this one. So why waste all of my energy and my effort on worrying about the future when today Today is the day that the Lord has made, so I will be glad and rejoice in it. Can I get a hundred people that would agree with me? Come on. As a, a a great pastor and author, many of you know him by the name of Rick Warren. Here's what he says about worry. He says worry just exaggerates the problem. It only emphasizes the problem more. Problems don't shrink when you think about them; they grow. Worry is a key ingredient to the growth of your problem. The more that we worry about them, it's, it's not the less they become, the more real they become and the more fear sets in and doubt sets in. And he says, hey, it only exaggerates the problem. Uh, Joyce Meyer talks about worry and she says this. She says, worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Some, some of you have put worry on layaway and you're making payments on something you're never even going to own. At some point, you have to recognize the difference between faith and fear. And the things that we worry about are fears that only come from the enemy. But those who have made the deal and said yes to Christ, you exchange that fear and you exchange that worry. And you can have a peace. That passes is all understanding. And if Rick Warren didn't define that well enough for you and Joyce Meyer and J.C. Worley, then maybe the theology of peanuts will help. Charlie Brown says to Snoopy, Someday we will all die, Snoopy. And Snoopy says, True. But on all the other days, we will not. I think many of you forget the fact that The most important day that you live is this day. And we get so worried about the day that we might die. And and if you've ever been to a funeral or you've seen a tombstone, you see two dates, a date of birth and a date of death. And while those days are significant in the life of the person, the legacy that they leave is the dash in between. And we get so focused on, on the end of our life that we miss every day that the good Lord has graced us to be alive today life is challenging and life can be overwhelming and life can be difficult jesus never promised that this life would be easy but again he said you can take heart because he is victorious over all of it and at the end of the day god does not want you to worry god wants your worries first peter 5 7 has become somewhat of a life verse for me i've with the different things that i've walked through and maybe some of you can testify to this like i've just i've just quoted and prayed and thought on and celebrated 1 Peter 5 7 says cast all of your worries on him cast all of your anxieties cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you let me tell you the God of this universe knew that there would be challenges that you and I walk through I'm going to be honest with you and we talk a lot about 2020 because it's the reality of now and I I didn't see the 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 pandemic and I I didn't see the I guess I thought maybe there would be some political tension but I think I felt in my attempt to measure how serious all of this would be. I I didn't think in advance about all of the uh, racial injustices that you and I would walk through in this year and the point is, I, I didn't see 2020 coming the way that it did. And I, I don't know if you did. If you did, your pastors encouraged you to play the lottery in 2021. Come on. I mean, 2020 has just been, that's a joke, by the way. I'm not, I'm not endorsing gambling. It's just been a crazy year. But everything that's happened in this year, not one of these things have caught God by surprise. Not one of them have caught God off guard. And wh- whatever it is that you're walking through, beyond just the things that we see on the news, I think if we're not careful, we think that there is only COVID that people are dealing with. COVID is not the only problem, it's a big problem but there's a lot of other problems, right? There's a lot of other things that people are dealing with, but whatever it is that you're walking through, none of those things caught God by surprise. They may have caught you by surprise, but not God by surprise. And at the end of the day, God says, I just wanna make a deal with you. Yes, I want you to experience salvation. I want you to know that this world is not your home, that there is the hope of heaven, but as long as you're alive, as long as there's breath in your lungs, I don't want you to worry. If you are in Christ Jesus, your hope is not in the government. Come on, hello. Your hope is not just in science. Come on. All of, all of that has the right place at the right time. But your hope is in an almighty God that knew thousands of years ago that we would find ourselves in a mess. Some caused by our own doing and some because of the doing of others. And at the end of the day, he says, just trade it all in. I don't know what you walked into this room with. I don't know what you're watching online with the weight of all of it. But what I do know is this, is that you can take off the weight of worry and you can pick up a garment of praise. And even in the middle of the storm, I wish I'd have somebody help me preach. You can lift both hands to heaven and say, God, you are faithful. God, you are good. What's your worry going to do? What's your worry going to help? I'm not preaching this message because I Googled it. I'm preaching it because I've lived it. I've lost too many hours of sleep worrying about something that is beyond my control. But I've just decided that no matter what I face in life, I'll lay it at the feet of Jesus and I'll let Jesus pick it up. Why do I have to keep carrying something he never intended for me to carry? God does not want you to worry. He just wants you to trust. He wants you to say, I'm gonna give you my worry and I will exchange that for here it is. For peace. And God knew this. 700 years before Jesus was born into this earth, Isaiah prophesied of his coming. Watch what he says For a a child will be born to us. It's Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Can I get an amen? The government of this country, the government of other countries will all fall under the government of the kingdom of God. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I'm telling you, I'm not worried about the politics of America because my hope is in an almighty king. And he says, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, The Everlasting Father, and let's read this last name on the count of three, one, two, three, Prince of Peace. Years and years and years, 700 years before the Messiah would come, Isaiah prophesied that there would be a Prince of Peace. And this Prince of Peace would take your worry and your doubt and your fears. Many of you know this, that... Kimberly and I have two of the most incredible children in the world, Lakeland and London grace um, i don 't know what kind of Christmas they 'll have, but I know with the me and Papa and Nana and pops that they have they 're going to do all right uh, we 've become very familiar with the Amazon driver in our neighborhood. <laughs> Shout out to all of those essential workers, right Lakeland and london though they 're special kids and they 're not just special because they're ours and they're not just special because they look like their mama. Come on, somebody. But they're good kids. Every night we try to pray together and read together, and, and every night and it doesn't make us like, you, know, some perfect family. I mean, Kimberly's got a lot of stuff she's working on. And, <laughs> and there's one or two things the Lord is fixing with me, and you know, but, but we, we anoint our kids with oil, and we pray and the kids pray. But every year at Christmas time, we try to get them, and, and JC and Kimberly included, to memorize. Isaiah 9-6, uh, the scripture that you just read. Last year was the first year that London really got into the game of trying to memorize the scripture, and so she said that he will be called, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and then she said, the never-blasting father. I loved that. I thought that was kind of appropriate, and then I paused and I said, God, I thank you that you never blast us. Come on, somebody. So the other day, you know, uh, I was just in my office, and I said, hey, let me let me get out my cell phone, because, and parents and grandparents, you know this to be true, that when you blink, 10 and 5 becomes 30 and 25. And one day, he's going to go off and get married and have children, and one day she'll still be living at home, and just (laughs) with me, and you know, because I'm the only boyfriend she's allowed to ever have. Come on. (laughs) So the other day, I grabbed my cell phone, and uh, I recorded them doing the second half of Isaiah 9-6, and If you'll just kind of give me the moment. I'd like to share that with you. I think you'll find a little bit of cuteness in the heart of a child. Check out this clip.
1: Isaiah 9, 6. And he will be called Wonderful Counselors, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace.
0: Come on, church. My kiddo's there. And I think about the heart of a child and the purity of their faith and what they're learning and quoting and memorizing. And I couldn't help but think that, man, as they grow up, they're going to face some stuff in this world. There's going to be some great challenges, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because if you've ever lived, you've faced stuff. And as I pray over them and as I parent them and even as I pastor them, I pray that no matter what storms come their way, that they can have confidence that they serve a mighty God. Hey, wonderful counselors, plural. You caught that, right? (laughs) An everlasting father and a prince of peace. See, when Jesus came, he came as the prince of peace. And he lived 33 years teaching and preaching this peace gospel talking about the opportunity that would come one day to exchange the sin for salvation. And then, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, which now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, he's making intercession for his people, he gives the disciples this final thought, one of his final thoughts, and it's passed down to you and I today in John 14, 27. He says, now I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave, but... I'm leaving you with a gift. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Christmas gift exchange. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. And here is the gift. It is a gift called peace. Peace. Peace in your heart and peace in your mind. And and I love this. And he says, and the peace that I give as a gift, the world cannot give. Let me tell you, anything that this world offers you is counterfeit, It falls short of what God can offer you. And Jesus says, imagine this thousands of years ago. I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you with a gift. And it is a gift of peace so that in 2020 and all of the junk and all of the stuff and all of the problem and, and the pandemic and the doctor's report and the marriage issues and the rebellious children and and the bankruptcy of the business, and that crazy coworker. Come on, somebody, give me an amen right there. Like, it's whatever it is. Like, I'm, I'm gonna give you this gift called peace, and now you get to choose option A or option B. And it just blows my mind how often I choose worry when God has given me a gift. Let me tell you this. If you you will give God your worry, he will exchange it for peace. All right, let's talk about peace real quick and then uh, we'll let you get out of here. The the Bible talks specifically about three kinds of peace. And I want to show you each one of these in the next 10 minutes that we have together. Uh, The first type of peace that the Bible talks about is peace with God. And then the Bible teaches us about having the peace of God. And then there is peace with others. And I think it's important that we followed this sequence here. So let's talk about peace with God first, peace with God first, because if you never have peace with God, then you'll never experience the peace of God and you'll never find peace with other people. Do you get that? It all starts with having peace with God, because, and this is a lot of of the message of last Sunday. So until you make Jesus Lord of your life, right? Until Jesus becomes everything to you. Watch this, and this may be a little heavy on the Sunday before Christmas, but I think it's important for you to know. Until until you come into alignment with Christ, you are at war with him. So as long as you try to do things your way, and as long as you try to be your own God, God's favor and his blessing and his peace cannot be on you and with you because you are at war with him. But Whenever we get right with God, then we get to have peace with God. So God, through this whole let's make a deal, through this Christmas gift exchange, he puts in front of us this peace treaty. He says, hey, I want you to have peace with me. Uh, the Bible talks specifically about this in Romans chapter 5, one verse here. Even though we were his enemies, and there it is again, even though we were at war with God, God made, somebody say, peace. God made peace with us. And here's how he did it. He sent that son, Jesus, to be born in a barn, to grow up one day and to be crucified on that cross. His son died for our sins. And now that we have been, here's a word, reconciled. That's just the ministry of peace. Now that we have been reconciled, made right with God, right? We've been made right with God. Now we get to be saved for eternity by his son's So the first thing that you have to understand is, is that if you ever want to experience the peace of God, if you ever want to have peace with others, if you ever want to exchange all of the weight of worry and doubt and fear and guilt and all of that with peace, you have to make peace with God first. And only you can do that. I can't do that for you. I can pray for you and I can pastor you, but only you can put your name on the dotted line and say, I'm going to sign this peace treaty and I'm going to make peace with God. And I'm telling you, and those who have already done this can testify to this, the greatest Christmas gift you could ever have is making peace with God. To stop being at war with God, to stop running from God, to stop trying to stay in control of all of your life, but just say, God, I'm going to give it all to you, and then you have peace with God. And then once that happens, now you begin to experience the peace of God. This is when life gets crazy, and yet you feel all right. You ever been there where it seems like the sky is falling, but yet you've got this overwhelming peace, a peace that passes all understanding? Again, write this thought down. Once you have peace with God, then you get the peace of God. Uh, when, When they wrote to the church of Colossae, I want you to see the instruction that was given. There's one word here that is critical to this truth. He talks about letting the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let me ask you a question, it's rhetorical. You can write it down uh, to those of you that have a fancy Go Church journal. Come on somebody. What is ruling your heart today? Because the instruction is, is to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. But I wonder what else is ruling your heart other than the peace of God. See, one thing you have to know about God, and I'm learning this with every trial, with every struggle, with every pain, with every moment that I don't understand, I'm learning that God has a peace for every problem. So for those of you who got some marriage problems, there is a peace for that. For those of you that got some money problems, there is a peace for that. Uh, for those of you that have got a, a health problem, there is a peace for that. There, the Hebrew word is shalom. Shalom. God has a shalom for every situation. There is a peace. So, no, again, this sounds a little repetitive because it is, because I don't want you to miss it. No matter what you're dealing with today, God has a peace for what you're walking through. But you have to let that peace rule your heart. Don't let the problem rule your heart. Can I get an Amen. Is this okay today? Everybody good? You gotta make peace with God. And then you get to experience the peace of God. And now you can start to make peace with others. You know, every time the holidays roll around, I think about, and I know COVID and 2020 may look a little different with holiday plans and travel, but I wonder how many families are going to be broken up this Christmas? How many families are going to be divided and arguing and they're not going to get together? And again, I know COVID and all of that has, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the fact that there's brokenness in a home or in a relationship or whatever. And it's interesting what the enemy uses to bring division and tension and strife and arguing, isn't it? And I'm not calling whatever it is that has brought the tension into your family, uh, silly or small, but I'm saying a lot of families have no peace, and they can't even go back to the root of the problem or what caused all of that. So we've got grown sons and grown daughters that won't even call their mama or their daddy this Christmas because there's no peace. We got families that won't interact and won't even get together because, again, they're at war with one another. And I'm telling you, sure as I'm standing in front of you that today is the day that you're promised and there's been some stuff in our family in the past and everybody's, everybody's got a unique dynamic to their family. And I say this in a joking way, although there's some truth, the only thing that helps me with the dysfunction of my family is knowing about the dysfunction of yours. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like we're all one crazy aunt or cousin away from the old Jerry Springer show. You get that, right? I just wonder, though, how many more holidays are you going to go ignoring your sibling or family? How how many more more holidays are you going to go not talking to your children or talking to that loved one? I feel this. I feel feel the heaviness of this. I'm telling you, making peace with God and experiencing the peace of God and then having peace with others You can't get that on Amazon Prime. That's not a gift that can be delivered through FedEx or UPS. This is a spiritual gift that only comes through a baby, Jesus, who grew up and was crucified on a cross. And he says, that is the deal. Matthew 5. I gave you Matthew 6 earlier when we talked about worried. Matthew 5 is still a part of that Sermon on the Mount. It's one chapter before Matthew 6 that we read. And in this sermon, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Not the troublemakers, not the agitators, the peacemakers. So I don't know who needs to hear this. What doesn't matter is who's right or wrong. Okay, we can argue that point till we're blue in the face and it may only cause greater separation. What matters is who's gonna swallow their pride and say, you know what, I'll be the peacemaker. Now I'm not suggesting you get walked over or taken advantage of, every situation is different. But what I am saying is, is that God said, I will bless you if you are a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. And it blows my mind when I get on Facebook and I see people blast their family on Facebook, my word. I know your family's got stuff, and so do we, but it's your family, and God put you in that family. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For they shall be called children of God. All Christmas, every Christmas, I try to share this verse in Acts 10, and I read it the other day, and I thought, man, there is a problem with the let's make a deal game that we've played the last two weeks, and here it is. It makes no difference who you are. This is the message translation, by the way. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God, you want God, and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. The problem with the let's make a deal game that's on the TV show and that we play is, you don't know what's under the box. It's a guessing game. It's a, it's a luck game. It's a 50-50 shot. That's not the let's make a deal that God says. God says, I'll tell you what's behind the door. I'll tell you what's behind curtain number two. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'll show you what's underneath the box. And what's there is the opportunity to exchange your sins for salvation, your worry for worship, your hurts for healing, your doubt for faith, and your problems for peace. Every Sunday, I try to give you this closing question. Here it is today. Are you ready to take the deal and exchange your worry for peace every head bowed every eye closed come on all around this room everybody in Germantown if you're watching online this is the part of the gathering where people kind of get a little antsy and we're almost done and you want to leave but I'm going to ask you to sit tight for just a moment it's a holy moment your campus pastors are going to come in just a moment they'll give you some dismissal instructions and all of that just hang tight you got a few more minutes and you're out of here but I want you to consider this question I'm going to give you 20 seconds to process it. Before I pray for you, are you ready to take the deal and exchange your worry for peace? Come on, Jesus. So, Lord, if the process is true, and I believe it to be, then the peace that we desire in our heart starts with getting peace with you. So if there's anybody in this room, anybody in Germantown, anybody online that might be watching this broadcast or this message, here's the moment that you can sign that peace treaty and stop running from God and start running to God. So every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking except me, come on. Campus pastors are standing here too and I'm gonna give you a chance. If you're ready to exchange worry for peace through saying yes to Jesus and no longer carrying the weight of whatever it is, I want you to put your hand up on three. You ready? One, two, three. Come on in this room, so many hands. Too many to count today. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you thank you thank you thank you germantown as well come on thank you thank you thank you to god be the glory thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus so lord as you begin to work on hearts today i pray that for everybody who just lifted their hand that they would pray a prayer of repentance that starts with admitting that they cannot carry the weight on their own that today they believe that you are who you say you are and they are committing their life to you confessing their sin confessing their weight of worry and giving it in exchange for salvation and for peace so touch the hearts of those that are saying yes to you bless them in this new relationship and in this new year and may we all experience the gift of peace to god be the glory and everybody said amen come on and give jesus the highest praise come on can we do that